Hey, uh, so we're about to do something on Easter Sunday morning that's very exciting to me. This has been probably 10 or more years in the making, waiting for a moment just like this one. We're about to pray together over our Grand Blank campus that will be planting, be opening their doors to the public tomorrow. Uh, they have their first service. Pastor Jim and Carrie Parkin are the pastors of that campus. It's a family room church that's going to be starting, and so they're going to be playing the recording of this. So I'm, I'm preaching in two places at the same time, and you're in Jim's family room. Is that weird or wonderful or what, right? Isn't it great? How many guys like being omnipresent? It's just fun for a second. I don't want to do it all the time, but would you just do this with me? Father, right now, we pray your blessing because a, a seed is something from which a forest can grow. Uh, an apple has seeds in it. We can all count, you know, the seeds in an apple, but no one can count the apples that are in a seed. And this new fellowship, this springing life, like just coming to get out, it's been, it's been this thing that's been in heart and a dream, uh, Jim and Carrie, and then for so many others, and now, God, here we are, it's launched. So bless them. We bless them right now in their pursuit of reaching the lost at any cost in Grand Blank, Father. Bless them, protect them, their family, and we just thank you for the grace that rests on them to lead well. Them and their whole team, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Let me also say before I get started the message today, this is the temperature our room should be at when church starts. Amen. For the record, I want to wear a coat like this because I don't have to suck in my stomach until summertime. This is good. So let's just do this, guys. I'm going to start from the very beginning today because I love stories. Stories are something I think connect us. They go through generations. They go through cultures. And so we're going to start with Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. How many guys think we should start in the beginning? How many guys like, can we start in Revelation and get it over with sooner? No. Genesis chapter 1, God creates everything. And for five days in a row, he says, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then on the sixth day, he doesn't just say it's good. It's not just tav. Remember the Hebrew word from two weeks ago? It's not tav. It's ma'od tav. It's very good. And he tells them, listen, for all of this to stay the way it is, you have a part in this. Obedience, commandment is promise, and promise is commandment. And so I command you not to eat from this, this bush, this tree. Don't eat the fruit of it. But with that command also came a promise. You have the power to say no. And every time you walk past that and choose me with all your heart, every time you experience my goodness with all your soul, every time you take your will and you submit it to me, it's worship. I, I'm your God. You're my kids, and everything's cool. And then one day, Everything that was so good, everything that was very good, suddenly was fallen. And in the same way, everything was good, everything was very good, suddenly everything was fallen. Everything was very fallen. Everything that was good could produce things that was good, but then when everything was fallen, nothing good could come out of it. Everything that came out of it was fallen. And so God in his goodness said, you guys are just going to kill everything and everyone if I don't do something. So he sent prophets, and he sent kings, and he, he sent the law. And here's Moses with his tablets of stone. That's with the finger of God saying, you know, don't do this and do that. And this is the pace of your life, and this is how this works. And I don't like lying. I don't like murdering. I don't, you know, that other person's wife, no touchy, no feely, no looky. Like, don't, don't do that, right? Here's my heart. And he gave them this heart that they could grasp onto. But in spite of all that God did with the kings, and the prophets, and the warnings, and, and the cutting off of, and the deliverance, and everything that God did, in spite of all of that, eventually, men's hearts always just kind of wandered away. Because you got to remember this. Everything that was good and very good reproduced things that were good and very good. But when things became bad, everything was very bad. And everything that was produced was very bad. Now, as a grandparent, original sin is a little bit harder to believe, because my grandchildren were born sinless and with perfection. 
But when I was simply a father, original sin was a concept I grasped right away. I, I never taught my kids how to lie. And yet from the womb, they knew how to do it. Hand in the cookie jar, chocolate chips all over the face. Did you eat a cookie when mom told you not to eat a cookie? <laughs> like who taught them that? We don't teach kids to lie. We teach them not to lie. Now when you're a grandparent, just eat the cookie. You're not mine. I, here's your espresso. Here's your chocolate chip cookie. And there's my daughter-in-law over there nodding her head. Amen. So what happens is somebody's got to deal with the root of it. And the root of it is that it's all fallen. We, we can do good things, but we're never going to be good. It has to be restored. It has to be redeemed. And so God sends his son in the likeness of mankind, Jesus. Remember that other holiday people come to the church and called Christmas, right? And there's that Christmas thing, and Jesus is born, and joy to the world, and all that good stuff. Well, Jesus comes, and as he begins to speak, what comes out of his mouth, what comes out of his heart is grace and truth. It, it wasn't just truth. Don't do this or you'll burn for it. You deserve it. It wasn't just grace. It's okay. You know, everybody sins. It's no big deal. But grace and truth. He knew when to pull the trigger on grace, and he knew when to pull the trigger on truth. And mankind began to listen to him. Not only were his words wise, but you had to see that he, that he knew something we didn't. As he spoke, crowds gathered, right? There's no generators. There's no lights. There's no worship team. He just started talking. And before you knew it, thousands had stopped their day on their way from point A to point B because what they heard coming out of his face, something inside of them said, this is real. I've never known this before. I don't know what he's talking about, but a part of me knows that it's true. And they started listening to him. And then everybody gets hungry, and he multiplies loaves and fish. And then somebody's sick, and somebody's demon-possessed, and somebody's dead. And Jesus is bringing the substance of one world into our world, setting things right. He's giving them a taste. This is what heaven's going to be like. When he taught them to pray, he didn't say, be really good, eat all your vegetables, and listen to your grandfather, and someday you'll be good enough to go to heaven. That's not the way he taught us to pray. The way he taught us to pray was by saying, stand before the Father and say, let your kingdom what? Let your will be done on just like it is in. And so man began to say, heaven can come to earth in pockets, in moments, in families, in churches, in friendships, in businesses, in neighborhoods, and in nations. The kingdom can come to earth. And, and that which shouldn't have ever worked does. And that which should have never reproduced something good did. And that which had limitations suddenly is limitless. He showed the power of God. He showed the authority of God. Demons, I don't even imagine being in a meeting like this and all of a sudden someone starts screaming and writhing on the ground and foaming at the mouth. And it's not, it's not epilepsy, it's demonic possession. And in the presence of Jesus, they had a tendency to freak out. How many guys know demons freak out just before they come out? Nothing to be afraid of, right? You're like, is this going to happen today? No, no, no. But when the snake gets passed into your aisle, just hand it to the person next. Just kidding. It's a joke. It's a joke. But, but literally, in a, in a meeting like this, suddenly someone starts screaming and kick over the chairs and freak out. And Jesus say, come out. And they go, oh, okay. <laughs> now, how many guys know that'll mess with your religion? That'll mess with your tradition. When something more true, something more real appears than what you know to be real and you know to be true, your heart has to make a decision. Well, I turn towards this thing that's obviously more true, more real. And everywhere Jesus went, man, he brought the kingdom with him. The Bible records so many of his miracles, but at the end of the book of John, you know what it says? It says, if we were to record every miracle, everything he said, everything he did, the world itself would not contain the books that would have to be written to contain all that Jesus said and did. And then at the end of that perfect sinless life where he, he defeats everything that ever defeated me, just being honest, it's Easter Sunday, we're in church, I think you can be honest with me. How many guys can be honest with me? Raise your hand. I should I trust you? If you're lying right now, it makes no sense, right? But 
Any, anybody ever, like, been beaten by something? I don't mean you stumbled over something. I mean every time you hit it, you stumbled. Anybody else besides me? Addictions in my life, anger in my life, different things that have happened to me, where it wasn't like I tr if I just tried harder, I could be free. How many of you guys know sometimes trying harder is not the answer? You need someone greater than you to do the work. I, there's certain things I can't lift. I need people like Ralph McKay, who's a union man, who works harder than I do, to lift it for me. It's just fun to pick on you, Ralph. I'm sorry. It's been a long time. But I'm telling you, when sometimes there's just something you can't do on your own that you need someone else to do for you. And this is why we find the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 53 so wonderful for us today. It talks about a Messiah that would come, a sacrifice, and his blood would be shed. It says that he was wounded for our transgressions, for our trespasses. You know what a trespass is. You see a sign that says, don't pass this line, and you do. You've trespassed, right? And the law says, don't cross this line. But when we do, and we didn't want to, we hoped we wouldn't. We, we promised God we'd never do it again, but we did it again. And here it is. We crossed that line. We've trespassed. Well, Jesus' blood flowed outwardly for our outward acts of disobedience. He was bruised for our iniquities. They punched him. They kicked him. They spit on him. Blood underneath his skin. These blood vessels are bursting left and right as he hit him, and his eyes are swollen shut. And you see that the bleeding is happening, but it's happening on the inside. Isaiah chapter 53 talks about a Messiah that would come, and when his blood was shed on the inside, that would be the price for freedom on the inside of mankind. Bruise for our iniquities. What, what's iniquity? Iniquity is my inward tendency to continue to be stupid tomorrow, just like I was yesterday. Let me tell you something. Say, Pastor Jim, as soon as I get my life together, I'll follow Jesus. Let me tell you something. You're never going to get your life together. Jesus gets your life together. I, I am not sober today because I'm stronger than alcoholism. I'm sober today by the grace of a loving God who sent his son who was bruised for my iniquities. Didn't just take away my addiction. Took away my desire to be an addict, my desire to lie to everybody, my desire to be drunk. I'm here to tell you today that the blood of Jesus doesn't just free us from the lines we've crossed. It, it frees us from the stuff that we still wrestle with. It says he was punished for our peace. He was chastised so that we could have peace. How many of you guys know peace is a very important thing? There's not a lot of it in the world right now. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? But it isn't peace because my guy won or peace because that issue settled down or peace because I got money in the bank. It's peace because the one who's seated on the throne knows my name and I'm his. He was punished so I could have peace. And by his stripes, we're healed. And that word healed doesn't just mean healed. It means sozo. It means my body, my soul, and my spirit is in right standing and proper order before the living God. There was a Messiah that would come. Well, Jesus is that Messiah, and he came. He was wounded. He was bruised. He was punished. And one of the last things he says on the cross, we talked about this the other night in the prayer meeting, but he said, ta telestai, and we're translating that as it is finished. And that's a proper translation. But how many of you know what ta telestai really means culturally? There, there used to be something called debtor's prison. Today, we call it the IRS. But then it was called debtor's prison. And in debtor's prison, if you couldn't pay your bills, whether it was to Caesar or to Bob, it didn't matter. If you couldn't pay your bills, Caesar or Bob could go to debtor's prison and say, hey, Barney and Fred and Bam Bam and Wilma, they borrowed money from me, and now they can't pay it. And there's a scroll that would be, here's the debts. And they would record them in the presence of a judge. And they say, he owes me this, and he owes me that, and he owes me this. Is this true? And he goes, well, I, I do, and I'll pay him back as soon as I can. But it, when, he, when he couldn't pay him back, that scroll would be rolled up, and that man's life would be ended by throwing him in prison until such a time as every single debt that he owed to every single person that was on that scroll was paid for. And every once in a while, 
Every blue moon, somebody like we would today, pay off somebody else's electrical bill or pay off their car or, you know, the deductible at the hospital. Somebody would go down to debtor's prison and say, show me the scrolls. Let me just take a look. I got some, I just, I got this thought. I got, I've been so blessed. The harvest was so good this year. My investments have paid off so well this year. Just show me some scrolls. And he'd open up a scroll and no, not that one. No, no, that one. This guy's got three kids and a young wife. And it's, I, okay. And they would write the words, Ta Telestai, across every letter, every line in that scroll that had debt, he would write, it is finished. When Jesus was on the cross, just before he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, he screamed out in a loud voice. So everybody, 2,000 years later, could echo on this field, your debt is paid in full, and you get to be free. Jesus rose from the dead three days later. So I don't know if I believe that. Then what are you doing outside at a sunrise service on Easter Sunday morning? I don't know. Listen, history records it. Josephus records it. The Bible records it. The Talmud of the Jews record it. The, the Muslim Quran records it. There is not an antiquitous voice that debates whether or not Jesus bodily rose from the dead. Here we are today so much smarter than before. I'm telling you, hear me. They didn't debate it then. We should debate it now. Now, you can try to explain it any way you want to explain it, but I'm telling you, it is a historical fact that Jesus rose from the dead and was seen by hundreds of people. I'm here to tell you this. Hear me now, please. Everything that was lost in the Garden of Eden has now been restored through the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We get to, hear me, we get to live on this side of the cross. We get to live on this side of the resurrection. Everything that was impossible, everything that was good that became bad, is now in the position of being redeemed, backed into the good again. I just want to give us a side thought here real quick, and I wonder what his disciples are doing, because when you've followed a guy through life and death, when you've seen the miracles and heard all that stuff and all the prophetic voices, and you're, you know, are you the Messiah? You're not the Messiah, and he's giving them answers, but the answers don't seem to really be good answers. They, they kind of, they're answers for doubters. Their faith had to be more than based on just reasoning. They had to believe. I mean, I know believing is important. And so they had to trust him. They had to trust what he said. So Jesus is crucified in front of them at noon on Friday. Three o'clock, he's dead. And by the way, they're not there. John's the only disciple that even makes it there. Peter takes off running. After he swore he'd die with him, he's gone. Judas, you know, threw himself headlong onto a stake. I mean, you say Judas hung himself. We think of a noose. It wasn't, it was more the Persian impaling, we think, because his gut spilled out. And you got to really hang yourself poorly from the neck to have your gut spill out. I'm just saying. I mean, I've eaten a Taco Bell. I understand the pressure that, that you can occur, but I don't think that's what happened. So he probably threw himself onto a stake and impaled himself, a popular form of suicide, and his gut spilled out all over the ground, just nasty, you know what I mean? He's gone, Pete's gone, Matthew, they're all gone. The only guy that stayed with Jesus to the end was John, who stood next, probably next to his mother Mary and Mary Magdalene for support more than anything else. Some of you guys know love just doesn't know when to quit. John just didn't know when to quit. Everybody else knew when to quit. But John's like, I, I just, uh, I'd rather die. And he just stayed there. Everybody else is gone. So Friday at 3 o'clock, it's over with. Jesus is laid in a borrowed tomb. The stone's rolled in front. And, and they're gone. And the Bible doesn't record what they do. I wish it did. I wish, you know, because they're all in different places. They all scattered. It wasn't like they all left together. They all scattered in the dark from the Garden of Gethsemane. And now they're, they're just somewhere. But somehow they knew where and when to gather. And they find themselves back in these walls. Isn't it shocking that the men who said, we'll stand with you no matter what, not only stand to make sure the door's still locked. They stand to kind of peer out the window and put their ear to the wall to make sure nobody's coming. And they're terrified. And it says this in, in the, the Bible. Um, we find this in uh, John chapter 20. On the evening of that first day of the week, 
when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. I love this moment in history. As far as all the human moments, all the human history moments, this is a good one. Because in this moment, the, you understand the walls. Somebody asked me the other day, I had the weirdest question. They said, what do you think that house was made out of? I'm like, who cares? It's aluminum-sided single-wide for all I care. I don't, I don't care. Wait, no, was it made out of clay, do you think? Was it an upper room? Was it a wooden structure? Was it, I, I don't know why they'd ask, but I, I had no answer. And afterwards, I was thinking about it. I, thought, I know what those walls were made out of. They were made out of the shame of the men who'd failed Jesus. They weren't there because the walls were thick enough to keep the Romans out. There's no such thing. They were there. Those, those walls weren't there to protect them. Those walls were the commonality of just the only thing we have in common here anymore is we all failed him. Judas is gone. Pete's a coward. Matthew didn't show up. John, you were there, but you didn't stop it. And the only thing that's got them together is failure. How many guys know that sometimes failure is just like to hang out together? Again, I don't, if you're an alcoholic, this is not a demeaning statement. I just want to share a little piece of my testimony. But I remember going to the bar to be drunk because when you're drunk in a bar, you're normal. When you're drunk in a room full of sober people, you're a drunk. When, when you're unforgiving in a room full of merciful people, you're an unforgiving person. But if you can find other people that are just as unmerciful and unforgiving as you are, it's nice to be in a room where you feel normal. It's called social media, by the way. If you haven't connected with it, all the algorithms lead us to people just like us, right? And the same thing's true about whatever it is, mercilessness or judgmentalism or really hyper-religious or whatever it is. It's funny how when we're dysfunctioning, we find other people suffering from the same dysfunction because in a room full of drunk people, a drunk man feels normal. And a room full of angry people, a room full of backslidden people, and a room full of people that used to go to church, but then I, you know, I, I saw where the, my, he's wearing an awfully nice coat. I don't mind giving money to, this coat's 20 years old and it still fits. Can I get a witness? Come on. Come on. It was loose then. It fits me now. But I'm saying, I'm saying, you don't turn down a free coat. <laughs> but we find people that are like us to comfort us in the middle of our usness. And in the middle of that room, I love what Jesus does. He walks through their walls, and he stands in the middle of these failures, just like he stood in the middle of this failure's life. And I love that he begins the conversation with peace. Peace be with you. One, I love that he begins it with just shalom, peace. But the other thing is, if you saw him crucified and a dead guy walks through the wall and says, boo, you're all in big trouble, right? So peace. And they go, I know that voice. And they kind of look, and there he is standing among this. Look at this. After this, verse 20, after this, he showed them his hands and his side. Please hear me. If Jesus healed his pericardium, that, that sack of fluid around the heart that was pierced and blood and water flowed out, if Jesus healed the, the wounds that were on his head, if Jesus healed the puffing of his eye, the missing teeth, if Jesus healed all that, why did he not choose to heal the scars on his hands and the hole in his side? I'm here to tell you, hear me. You got to hear me. I think some of the best Jesus stories we can tell have to deal with the scars that are still in our lives. I, I think when I talk about addiction or I talk about, you know, anger, or I talk about anything I used to deal with, stuff I still wrestle with today, I think there's a power in saying to each other, I still have scars from the life I once lived, but Jesus has scars from the life that he once lived too. I, we, we had a saying in the military, if you're a Marine, you might not be able to get this because they weren't so smart. The Navy didn't have to worry about this. The Air Force were just short-haired civilians. But if you're in the Army, then you'll know what this means. We used to say the first guy through the wall always gets bloody. What's, what's that mean? Well, that means the first guy in the room is a guy that everybody shoots at first. And, and I tell you what, when you have scars, they say this word. They say that scars are like tattoos, only there's better stories behind them. 
You find a combat veteran that's got a scar. He may or may not want to talk about it, but I'm here to tell you, they're, they're just like tattoos. They're permanent. And yet there's a better story behind it because you see the deliverance of God. There's, there's something about being together as a team, going through a wall, going through a door, going through a window, going through hell. And when you come out the other side, those scars tell a story of survival, not a story of defeat. Come on. Jesus kept his scars and from those scars, those scars were not evidence that he couldn't heal himself. Those scars were evidence that it was really him. Put your hand in my side. It's really me. Feel this. And for all eternity, we see these scarred hands. Failure is not an identity. It's a condition that has a cure. I have failed. You have failed. But by the grace of God, there isn't a person that trusts Jesus for redemption that is a failure. Look at verse 20. They're overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I love that. Everything blew up Friday. Everything's wrong. I don't know which way is up. I don't even know where they took his body. I don't know anything. And then he stands in the middle and says, peace be with you. And he shows them hands and feet. And their, their reaction is overjoyed. How many guys know you cannot be both terrified and overjoyed at the same time? It, I mean, maybe a roller coaster gives you a little bit of that, right? But in real life, driving with grandma, maybe there's a little bit of that, right? But... But literally, to me, I, it's you. It's so great. It's like, good that you were alive. And they hug her and they high five. And, you know, like, you can't be I'm so scared right now. <laughs> they're, they're loving him. He's loving, and, and all the answers are there, right? So Jesus, this is kind of weird. Verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Now, why do you think Jesus said a second time? If they have peace, they've seen the resurrected Messiah. They put their faith in him. I think they have peace. But it's just a second time, peace be with you. And this is why. He preempts what he's about to say next. And this is for every person in this tent, outside this tent, watching on live stream, whichever camera's on. Hear me. Sometimes Jesus gives us peace before the trial. Sometimes Jesus gives us peace after the trial. But Jesus will always give us peace if we look for his peace. Peace be with you. And this is what he says. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Now, then we'll be like, yay, onward, Christian soul. No. Remember what happened the last three days. Remember what they've seen the last three years. Jesus goes, hey, guys, can we settle, just bring it down? I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad to see you too, buddy. It's wonderful. Hey, could we just take a seat for a second? I want to say something to you. Ready? Um, peace <laughs> be with you. I'm like, why do you say it again? And he says, as the Father has sent me. Remember what you saw three days ago? That's not the last time you'll see one of us go through that. Remember what you've seen people put me through for the last few years, being hated, being lied about, being tested in every way possible? That, that actually is not over with, but is now multiplying through your lives. And I love that you say, so, you know, good luck with that. I'll see you in heaven someday soon. It says, with that, he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't really know all that that means, but this is what I know. It means every battle I face, I don't face without the presence of God. Every temptation that comes my way, I am there with victory living inside of me. I know that everything that was lost in the garden is restored through the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I know the things that beat me didn't beat him. And when he gave his life for me, he made a trade, my life for yours. And when I gave him my life, he gave me his life and his spirit. And now we don't just go out like, I hope this works. Gee, I hope 
Somebody comes to a tent. She hopes somebody listens to me. We go out as the temple of the living God, declaring the goodness of who he is to those who haven't heard. I just want you to know this, guys. I, I want you to hear this, this thought. Easter is about resurrection. Somebody say amen. But it's also about commission. It's also about mission. Yes, it's a message of peace, but it's also a message of war. How many have had your love tested in the last 12 months? Don't raise your hand. You have. And it was probably me that tested it. And it was probably you that tested mine. And we actually like each other. Don't say amen so heartily, Tim. I heard that. I heard that. Yeah. I, I, literally, we, there's probably people that are here right now that haven't been here in a while. Like, oh, there's that, that person. Oh, there's, there's that person. Remember what they said to me? There's those old angry thumbs lady over there. You know? There's old angry finger man over there, right? I'll give you an angry finger. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just trying to say this to you. My love has been tested, but I don't think the tests are over with. I think Jesus talked about coming back again someday, and he described the, the world's condition as a woman in the pains of labor. How many guys know the pain gets more severe and the contractions get closer together? How many guys are old enough to remember Y2K? Wouldn't that seem like spring break today? Remember the, just the tragedy of 9-11, how hard that was, because there's people in New York and people, man, it isn't just people in New York anymore. The entire planet has been engulfed in something. Every, every little village in the middle of Tibet, every little hovel in the middle of the Amazon, every, every place, everywhere has been sucked into something. It's, it's a more severe birth pain. How many guys agree? And it's closer together than the old birth pains. It's, it's more intense than it's ever been. I'm telling you, the tests aren't over with yet. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. Let's go home. I'm just here to tell you, if you came because I want my warm fuzzy for Easter, then, then I hope you got your warm fuzzy. I got my warm fuzzy, but I need more than a warm fuzzy. I need a commission from Jesus Christ. I need a rock that's not going to move. I need an anchor that no matter how strong the wind is, my boat doesn't get dislodged. I need something greater in me than what is in the world around me. I need Jesus to forgive me. I need the Holy Spirit to fill me. I need the Father to guide me. And that, my friends, is the resurrection life. That's life on this side of the cross. It is about a risen Savior. It is about being born again. It is about being filled with the Holy Spirit. But it's also about going into all the world and declaring this gospel message to all who will hear. So I'm glad that you're here today. I think we should celebrate, don't you? And we have. I think we should talk about Jesus, and we have. I think we should talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and we have. But now I think it's time to actually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Piano guy, join me. Piano girl. Is it a guy today? Piano guy. Oh, I see boots moving. I, oh, it is, it's a good-looking guy. You're not married, right? You're engaged. Say it. Come on. She's listening somewhere. Yeah. A week from today. All right. So it's not too late, but it's close, ladies. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Look at him. There's nothing on these headphones. I just don't want to hear them anymore. <laughs> uh, God is so good. Close your eyes for a moment, will you? God, you are so good. I believe that Jesus, your son, came to this earth and lived a sinless life. I believe that his death on the cross was not because of his guilt and his shame. It's because of my guilt and my shame. I believe that you were wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities, punished for my peace. I believe that your stripes heal my body and my soul and my spirit and place me in a, in a place of shalom, a place of peace with God. Father, I pray over those that are gathered, those that are online, those that are listening to this message 10 years from now, 
you know, when we're watching holograms instead of listening to cassette tapes or whatever it is, I pray that the enduring truth of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the anointing that's on that message would find its way through every medium into the hearts of men and women. If you're here today, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, you're like, Jim, I don't really know where I'm at with God. Um, I, I'm going to say I want to believe, but I'm, I can't say that I do. Be here, it's like, you know what? I haven't been here in a long time, and I'll be honest with you, my love was tested and I failed. You might be here today, and you're like, I was raised in this church, I was raised in a church like this, and but man, I, I you know, I got old enough to tell my mom I wasn't going to church with her anymore. And this is the first time I've walked through the, the tent doors of a church in decades, but I, I'm here because there's something, something that I need, there's something that I'm missing, there's something that I lack, like a person who's lost their keys, retraces their steps until they find them. Maybe you're here because there was a season in your life where you just you felt closer to God than you are right now and maybe you're here today looking for those things that were lost I have such good news for you before the foundations of the world God saw this moment he saw our need he saw an empty hill and his son carried a cross to the top of that hill was nailed there and on the third day he defeated death hell and the grave and now extends his victory to whosoever will believe. Whosoever. Words like whosoever and all are always associated with salvation. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That whosoever should believe shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Father, I pray as your spirit moves on these grounds and through the internet and through time and space, I pray, move upon our hearts now to decide. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Jim, I'm not right with God, but I want to be. I believe that what is said this morning is true. I'm ready to make that leap, that leap to faith, that leap to trust God, that he is good enough. I failed, but because of Jesus, I'll never be a failure again. I will learn how to walk this walk with my Savior who's teaching me even now. If he's led you this far, he will not abandon you halfway. He'll not abandon you where you are. If he brought you here to this place, today's the day to say yes. Will you say yes? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. In just a moment, I'm going to ask those who say yes to raise their hand. It's time to make that decision. It's time to make that choice. I'm not right with God, but I want to be. I want to be. I want to be. I believe, and I want to be right with God. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand all over this tent right now. Raise it up nice and high. I'm not ashamed. I'm not afraid. I'm not embarrassed. Today, Jesus, my life belongs to you, and today your life belongs to me. I trust you. And somehow, through the scope of time and space, you've trusted me to make a right decision, and so I make it. I choose you. I choose you. The second part of this altar call is simply this. How many of you need God to give you some boldness, to give you some love? Your love's been tested. Don't stop loving. Learn how to love better. Learn how to love more. Yeah, but it hurts and it's offensive. And I, learn how to love more. Don't love less. This is in the last days because of the increase of wickedness. The love of most will grow cold. Don't let your love grow cold. Not your love for God, not your love for people. Not just God's people, all people. I believe that we should be marked singularly by the love that we have for one another and by his love moving through us. That we would actually like people that are nothing like us that we would love people that have such a different viewpoint. If you can't love the people Jesus loved, 
then I'm asking you, who are you following? If you're not loving who Jesus loves, then who are you following to just love us or them or those or these? Jesus didn't love in compartments, for God so loved the world. If you need the Spirit of God to abide in you in a richer way to give you the power to overcome, because this is not the last contraction. And what we've been through, I'm not being a gloom and doom guy, I'm just reading the Bible. What we've been through is not exactly what we're going to go through. See, can it get worse than this? We've learned not to ask that question now. <laughs> Will it last longer than a three-week shutdown? We've learned not to ask questions. Just better to stay close to God. So Jesus, give me more so I can be more when more is required. Raise your hand. Jesus, give me more so that I can be more when more is required. Raise your hand. Jesus, give me more so that I can be more when more is required. It's a day of resurrection. It's a day of good news. It's a day of celebration. But it's also a day of commissioning the saints to go and be the light of the world and the salt of the earth and the children of the Most High God. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this day. As it begins anew, so do we. I didn't plan on saying this, but I'm going to say it. Maybe before you leave this field, you should hug your enemy. Maybe before you leave this field, you should leave the offenses and the dirt and not in your heart. Maybe before we leave this place, there's things we need to say to each other. Maybe there's people we need to text, people we need to write. We, we took quickly right off versus just writing them or talking to them or having coffee. And I pray that today the Holy Spirit would convict us that we wouldn't leave this place until we, we've had that moment to say, my bad. You, you don't have to take responsibility for what they did. You don't. You just have to take responsibility for your part. That's it. If they apologize back, great. But you're free once you say, forgive me. The first person of the cross always wins a fight. I know that seems counterintuitive, but most of what Jesus said doesn't make any sense at all. First person that crucifies, it wins. Father, I pray over your people today. Bless us. Fill us with your spirit. Make us light and salt, we pray. Let us live ourselves resurrected lives. The old is gone and the new has come. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. All right. We did it. We didn't gather in our family rooms. We came on the field. We, we brought our dogs for some reason, which was awesome. Uh, coffee's open. Plenty of fresh air, sunshine. Stay as long as you want. But I'll warn you, the last 20 got to help us clean up. So you stay as long as you like. But we are cleaning up in about an hour. God bless you. Live long, prosper, happy.